From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about gender discovery and self-acceptance. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is Genevieve. She's our other co-founder and the one who pushed me to create The Transverse. So this really charismatic and energetic individual had this vision for launching a media network platform to bring the transgender, non-binary, gender fluid, and intersex community together and find a way to support and encourage and help and uplift one another just so we can we can make it through this world knowing that we're not alone. And as this wonderful individual began to share this vision, I began to see the vision and I wanted to be a part of it. And so I used all of my wisdom and wiles to influence Emily into allowing me to be a part of what we are now what we have now launched as the transverse and we are going to be building out into not just twitch and and discord but we are planning to take this much farther and as chief operations officer i handled the day-to-day operations and dealing with all of the business aspects of it as we get this business up and running, launched, and sharing out into the world this wonderful vision for bringing all of us together in one community. Very well put. I love that. And yeah, one of her one of her main jobs as COO is keeping the CEO in check and, and uh, keeping me on my toes, which she definitely does. So I really yeah. appreciate both your support and your 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 business prowess and knowledge just at you know everything that you're offering so now that we've got that out of the way and we've got a good explanation under our belt of what the transverse is and where we're going with it we can dive into your story tonight so first off the the basic question how do you identify i identify as female it's it's my internal ground um when i think about myself and i think about who I am, it is female, and so I, I prefer to respond to she and her. I use Ms. instead of Mrs. because my wife is Mrs. Berkman, and so I choose Ms. and don't allow it to have a reference to my married status, and I also use Reverend. Yeah, something that I called you on in our pre-interview yesterday is a as a distinctly missing thing from your bio. But I love the fact that there is plenty of stuff, plenty of areas where we'll get into that here. How did you choose your name? I go by Genevieve Bergman, and that is um that's my father's family. And so when I began to do research into my family, my ancestry. I found some names that really stuck out to me. And because my dad and uncle didn't have a lot of family knowledge uh, going back past their dad, I really got into the ancestry and digging in, and these two names leaped out to me as names that I just loved the, the look and the sound of them. And so my preferred name is Genevieve Valentine Todd Berkman. And I, I chose to keep my middle name uh, through the process of changing my name when I, when I pursue that because I realized that my middle name is unique. It is, I'm the only Todd in the Bergman family tree. And so keeping that name was important to me because it allows me to keep my unique position within the family tree. Mm-hmm. Granted, also being the only known transgender woman in the family tree doesn't hurt my uniqueness. <laughs> You've already sort of got that built in. I love that. I love that idea in choosing your name that instead of you, usually we hear people that are holding on to the thing that is traditional and finding a way to either feminize it or, or make it work with their identity. And you did the opposite. You took what wasn't traditional in the family and helped you stand out and made that something you, you hung on to. And I really like that. Thank you. Making your, your way with your own identity in the family. This is taking down your flag and that's it. 
And are you ready to go? Yep, my official flag right here, so, <laughs> you know. Yeah, she's got a trans flag just off camera, and I can shrink it down if we need to, but you get the idea That's what okay. the trans flag looks like. So when did you first realize that you were that you were transgender? The realization that I was transgender happened in December of 2019. I I've known for a big chunk of my life that I was a crossdresser and I had accepted at some point that it was just going to be a fetishized identity. It wasn't it wasn't something in my core but around 2014 i began to realize no this is some there's something more to this there's something deeper um and you know i sat down with lisa and talked about it and you know let her know that this was something that i it wasn't something i could shake it wasn't something that i could just toss off or or you know leave behind me it was something that that really resonated deeper within me. And so I had begun to, to accept and claim the identity of a crossdresser, mm -hmm. not knowing at that time that crossdressers do fall within some definitions of the transgender umbrella. Mm -hmm. And then in August of 2019, Lisa and I decided to get a divorce. We made that final decision in September, and my cross-dressing was the source of that decision. Mm -hmm. That opened me up to begin to navigate my identity in so many deep ways. I began to question, if I'm no longer a husband, who am I? My youngest son was graduating high school, and he would be moving with Lisa and my older son was looking to move out into starting his life. I mm. was contemplating leaving my job as a pastor, but I didn't know what I was going to do. And so I had all of these identity questions. Wow. Um, yeah. After about five months, from, from August to December, I came to the realization, I'm transgender. I'm not a crossdresser. Mm. I feel like a woman on the inside. That's, that's who I feel like on the inside. And... Every time I see myself in presentation like this, it it rings positive and true. Mm -hmm. Was that what got you to that realization was seeing yourself and feeling essentially the gender euphoria from that? Would you describe it as oh, that? Oh, no. Um, no. In fact, my realization came as I sort of explored my my comfort with clothing and how I sort of started out thinking, well, as a crossdresser, but in conflict with my wife, I couldn't dress as I wanted to. And so now I felt like I could dress as I wanted to. And it kind of developed into, well, I could dress anytime I wanted to in the house and I didn't have to be limited. I just had to worry about, you know, if I stayed in the ministry, somebody dropping by the parsonage and finding their pastor in a dress. Um, <laughs> but I also began to explore the idea I could dress and go into another community where I wasn't known. And that grew into, well, really, there's no reason why you can't dress in the community where you live. It's your life. Yeah, interesting. And I began to ask myself, why is this so important why is this so big to me that i could dress the way i want and i want to dress as a female until i finally woke up to the realization this isn't about the clothes mm -hmm. this is about who i am this is about who is on the inside and what i wear on the outside is just the image the glimpse of who i am on the inside in a strange awesome. way before all of this came out, my preferred clothing of identity was blue jeans and geeky t-shirts, mm. uh, you know, Star Wars or Disney or Voltron or, you know, something of 
affiliated with all of the geekiness that I love. And that's what I, that's how I identified before I ever came out was I'm a geek. I'm a nerd. I'm weird. <laughs> Little did you know that to the extent that that would ring true. <laughs> exactly. Little did I know. I love that when we come out and learn to accept ourselves, we can look back and we can see breadcrumbs from our youth. What were some of those for you? Well, the first time I can ever remember wearing women's clothes, I was, I have to think I was about seven years old and I tried on my grandmother's underwear, uh, panties and bra, and something clicked. I don't know what it was. I, I can't define it. <laughs> I've spent a lot of years trying to, and I, and I just can't find any, any good answer for it. And so that kind of began a, a journey of thinking that I like to wear women's clothing. But in terms of feeling different, I vividly recall one day I was playing with my Star Wars action figures. I was in the floor of my bedroom. It was probably somewhere around 1980. 1981, I'm not certain of when. Mm -hmm. But I was playing with Luke and Leia. And instead of playing, Leia was in trouble and Luke came and rescued her. I imagine that Luke transformed into Leia. Now, I can't remember all of the details, but it's a very vivid image mm. of, of playing that, that the figure, you know, magically transforms into Leia and hmm. thinking to myself, I would really love to do that. I would love to be able to transform into a girl. Yeah. And so I was probably about 10 at the time. All right. Well, that, that's a, that's a pretty vivid and strong one. <laughs> yeah, a very good it is. Indication. Yeah. Ball Raven. Thank you so much for the follow. Welcome in. I hope you enjoy yourself here. Yeah. Thank you. How did you how did you come to terms with who you are and accept that part of yourself once you came to that realization? Um, well, I, th that five months of serious inner reflection and examination of my life, for me, it was a it was a very strong crucible of self-examination and just taking my life and, and, and realizing who I was and what I stood for and how my life could be lived in its best possible way. Mm -hmm. And so as a, I'm a, I'm a barely functional introvert. I work in the operations of the imagination. I, I ponder and think and meditate and overthink. But it was all taking place in here over five months, where it seemed like almost every waking hour at this point was devoted to that. Um, I guess you could say all of my processor, my CPU, was <laughs> dedicated to processing that. Mm -hmm. And that's how I came to terms with it. You know, this is this is who you are. And yeah, it's gonna be hard and there's going to be risk involved. But yeah, if you don't do this, if you don't own this as who you are, you are never going to be able to live authentically. Yeah. And so yeah, that's that's how I came to terms with it. It just process it. Mm-hmm. Fall Raven says, Jeannie, Fall is here supporting you on Twitch. Thank you. If, you. if you know them outside. Katie's here. Welcome in, Katie. I was remiss in mentioning that one of my, that's essentially my main rule for the show. The guests can't see the chat. So if you have any messages for Jeannie, go ahead. You can type at the transverse first and, and it'll highlight for me and I'll mention that as well. Just want to put that out there. 
did you have a particular role model or confidant to confide in right when you came to this realization? I didn't have a role model and I, I guess I still don't have any role models. There are, there are trans women who I admire and there are individuals who I look up to as powerful people, but nobody that I could really just say, well, that was somebody that I patterned my life after. Mm -hmm. I did have confidants. I did have people that I could share with. Of course, my my family, my found family at Pat Chat, which is a Discord server, they were one of the first groups of people that I came out to, and they really, really helped to forge and form my ability to accept myself. But I also had a, a council, an inner council of people who who sort of helped me through a lot of emotional and mental crises in in the last four years. And I told them, I let them know what was happening. And they were there to <laughs> panic over what I was doing because <laughs> none of them, I mean, it was out of the blue and it, it caught them by surprise. But they still tried to to be there and support me through everything. Hmm. That's wonderful. Yeah. And then how did you come out to others closer to you, to your family? I I told my boys that I was a cross-dresser. And, of course, I told Lisa that, which had caused the conflict in our relationship. But after December, I, you know, I officially came out as transgender to her and, and told her one day that that was... That was the path I was moving toward. Mm -hmm. The council that I mentioned, I sent text messages because that's how we worked. Um, their entire influence in my life and helping me through troubles and crises was through text messaging. So I had one who who I talk to still to this day once a week, and he still checks in on me to make sure I'm doing well. I emailed my mother and my sister because I couldn't I couldn't do it by voice. I just I couldn't face that one. Yeah. Um I also posted it on Twitter in March after I came out to my family in December and January. Mm -hmm. And someone in the community where I was serving as pastor found the information either on Twitter or on my blog, because I also wrote a very extensive coming out statement on my blog. Yeah. And I was outed by this person. I still do not know who it, who it was, but I was outed in the community and it happened on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And by Saturday, I was no longer allowed to come back to the church. And yeah, that, that kind of covers the next set of questions and in, in how, how it went at work and in your local community. Do yeah. you feel in any way that, that, that being outed, were there any positives of that, that, you know, you didn't have to, to go and tell everybody or was it was it just purely negative for you by being outed in such a way so that it was out of my control i was free to publicly come out and take control of my narrative i could take control of my story and tell my story and i didn't have to let the gossip in the rumor mill control my story i you know, once I was, quote unquote, dismissed from my duties, I didn't have anything to do. So I used all of my now found free time to accept and claim my identity and tell my story through right. social media, through my communities that I found that I was a part of. And that was, for me, a huge positive from from that circumstance is that 
I get to control my story. The other part is I got a new job. <laughs> yeah, I just like that that, you know, it, it looked like such a negative. And of course, I, I'm a, a, assuming that it caused a lot of fear and anxiety in you when you hear that this is out. And then there's just that relief of, well, we don't have to worry about that anymore. There's no more. There's no more pitfalls to run into. Everybody's everybody knows. So now now what? Right. Yeah. Now, I have to say that I had informed my superiors in the United Methodist Church of my decision to go forward in my life as a female. And there's there are still a lot of issues involved with that in the United Methodist Church, in particular where I was serving in Oklahoma, they've never had to deal with transgender. Now, the catch is that in the United Methodist Church, there is no prohibition against a transgender person serving as a pastor. Hmm. All it comes down to is a local community and whether or not they can accept that person. And in your particular community, that answer was they could not, huh? Right. And also, I was told that I couldn't be guaranteed a safe appointment in the United Methodist Church. We, a pastor does not go seek out a church okay. affiliation. We have a, a group who work on trying to connect pastors and congregations. And so it's much like in the military or the Roman Catholic Church. We are sent somewhere, and I was told they couldn't guarantee me a safe appointment within the state of Oklahoma. I was given the, the opportunity to go to another state. I was given you know, the chance to contact any of the other locations within the United Methodist Church who may have places for a transgender pastor, but I also began to, to peel back the layers of the trauma and the damage that had been done in the last few years of my service of the church, and I couldn't go back into another situation as broken as I was. Mm -hmm. Did that experience shake your faith to the core then? No, it destroyed it. Um, the last couple of months, I have, I had, I came to the realization that my faith was gone. It was. Now, I should say my faith in the sense of relating to God through the institution of the church, that was destroyed. Mm -hmm. Okay. My faith as it is grounded in the traditional doctrines and beliefs of the universal church going back 2,000 years those were not shaken and i'm not i'm not giving up on god but i felt like god had not cared enough to step in and help me out and so i i really felt like well if god's not going to step in and do something then i need to take total control and do it for myself and get to the point of figuring things out and determining determining what my life is going to be on my own. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I started doing. And I started making decisions based on the the information that I had available and pushing myself and and working very hard against the trauma and the the psychological damage that I had experienced. And it didn't ever help. It never got better and then the farther I went the more I felt like I'm, I'm away from God on this one. God's still there, and I believe in God and Jesus Christ, and I'm I'm still okay with believing that God loves me. But I walked away. Mm -hmm. Now, that was when you were in Oklahoma, and they specifically said that there was no place for you in Oklahoma, regardless of the fact that you weren't interested in staying within the church. Mm -hmm. But you eventually moved out of yeah. Oklahoma. What brought that about, and how has that helped? 
the reason we moved out of Oklahoma was one, we didn't have a support system. Mm -hmm. At that time, my family was very adamant that they did not condone my identity. Mm -hmm. And Lisa's family did not condone my identity. And I did have one friend who was willing to open his house to me and my three dogs but uh, it was going to be a challenge, and, and there was just no way to go about it. Hmm. But Lisa and I found a way to reconcile and bring our marriage back together, and she had already secured employment in Bentonville, Arkansas. And so we went ahead and we followed through with that, and we moved to the Bentonville-Rogers area of northwest Arkansas. What was your experience trying to find community once you came out? I know, so, you know, we talked about you had your community with the church and they essentially shunned you. Right. During that time or once you moved to Arkansas, what was your experience in trying to find community that was accepting, that you felt you belonged in? Right. Um, in March... From March to June, I was pretty much isolated. I didn't have any contact with anybody in my community unless it was just absolutely necessary for life. Um, so I began to look to the internet and I began to associate with groups online. I found a cross-dresser support group that I really began to enjoy being a part of that, but it just never gelled. I never did feel like I, I really connected there. Mm -hmm. And then I, there was some conflict um, that happened within the group and it sort of fractured a little bit. And I followed a few folks over to a new community that was being formed. But because of some miscommunication and misunderstanding, I was I was removed from that community. Now, all along, my Pat Chat found family was there for me. Mm -hmm. And they have they have always accepted me at one hundred and twenty five percent. And what is the Pat Chat community? Pat Chat is a Discord server that grew up around a mutual admiration for the author Patrick Rothfuss, and it grew out of his annual fundraiser with World Builders. Patrick Rothfuss founded World Builders as an opportunity to allow geeks to do good in the world, and every year he hosts a fundraiser through Twitch and through his nonprofit organization. And about five years ago, Pat was streaming, five or six, Pat was streaming almost every day. And at that time, uh, Fallout 4 had come out. Mm -hmm. And he was playing that game. And of course, I'm a huge fan of the Fallout games. And so I began to watch. And I began to interact with the people in the chat. Thus the name Pat Chat. And come to find out, they had a Discord server, but it took me a couple of years to be connected to that group. Mm -hmm. But when I got connected to them, it really did, it transformed my understanding of family and acceptance. Well, I love and the fact they, that you had, you had sought out specifically a group that you thought would fit in with you, that you would fit yeah. into. And yeah. You had issues there, and then you found this other thing that was completely unrelated to to your gender identity and all of that. And you found this family. And uh, did you did you find a full level of acceptance once you were out with them as a transgender woman? Oh, I found more than a full level of acceptance. I found them trying to push me a little bit to acceptance because wow. there were still areas that I was afraid of. Now. I don't feel like that they were pushing me into something. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying whenever I showed any signs of 
self-doubt whenever I showed any signs of timidness about living out in my life. They were like, hey, girl, you are who you are. You own that. You don't back down from it. And so, Uh you know, they lovingly kicked my butt when I needed it kicked. (laughs) And how has that, having that level of support and also that kind of, yeah, that, that push, that, you know, yeah, that's just that push behind you, pushing you forward to explore yourself and live truly as yourself. How has that helped you? Um, I'm queer, I'm proud, I'm big, and I'm loud, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not ashamed of who I am in any way, shape, or form. I know that when Patch Out was there for me, when I hit my absolute bottom psychologically and when i hit bottom it was it was bad i didn't try to hurt myself but i was making plans and i knew that things were were really bad at that point because like i said i work up here and if I'm making plans up here, I'm only one step from acting on them. That's that's all there is to it. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. And so I checked in with my therapist, and he talked me through being admitted to a psychological hospital where I stayed for a week. And while I was there, I had asked Lisa to reach out to chat and just let them know what had happened Mm -hmm. and really what what it boiled down to was we were weeks away from being homeless we had no money for rent we had no money for groceries we had no money for electricity insurance any of those other necessities Mm -hmm. and I I couldn't accept that. Uh, there wasn't anything I could do. And so I was at the point of going to the hospital or I was going to do something drastic. Mm-hmm. Lisa let Pat Chat know. And within two days, our rent was paid. We had money for groceries. We had a little bit extra for some utilities. And when she told me that, I just broke down and cried Mm -hmm. right there in the day room of the hospital because they had always been there for me to listen. Even when I was whiny and repetitive in how horrible my life was. And when when things got their absolute worst, they stepped in and they made a huge difference. And I was already committed to this group of people. There wasn't, this wasn't anything that changed my mind. But when that happened, I knew that my family was behind me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'll, definitely show you that you have family, that you have the support you need, and you can accomplish anything when you have that behind you, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the chat has already been talking about uh, passing around tissues and stuff. They were already crying. So by the time we got to this part, I'm sure sure we're helping the Kleenex Corporation a lot here. Well, the Transverse is looking for sponsors, so if the Kleenex Corporation would like to speak to us about sponsorship possibilities, please, please just let us know. We can always get her switched over to selling, just on the turn of a dime, she can be on there. Lexi Pearl, thank you so much. Lexi has bought a a mug from our shop, so thank you so much for that. I don't think I got a Phoenix mug up up there yet, so I think it's the, the heart one. Okay. The Transgender Show heart. And Mira, thank you for the the four tier one subs. Yay, Mira. Thank y'all for the support. We really love it. 
Yes. So at that point in your in your story, were you seeing a therapist? Did you? Oh yeah. Okay. And and what role has therapy played in your life around then and since? Oh heavens, um, Lisa and I started therapy back in 2016, I think, and we just knew we had to have some kind of help to save our marriage. And sadly, it didn't do any good. Um, the therapy just did not help at that stage of how bad things had gotten. Mm -hmm. But after we had stopped that, I I had a, I'd had a consistent string of therapists since 2016, and I started out with just a simple um, local therapist who was familiar with trauma and PTSD issues and sort of began to help me deal with the current situation. She didn't really, we weren't ever able to get anything done with my past because I always had a new trauma or a new crisis every week and we worked through that. But as I progressed into accepting my identity as transgender, she was like, you probably want to find someone else. And I'm like, okay. So I found another therapist and she specialized in LGBTQIA and transgender specifically. So I started working with her and that was right around when COVID hit. <laughs> and I started doing remote therapy with her. Um, and then we moved to Arkansas and I found a therapist as soon as I got here because I couldn't keep a relationship across state lines. I had to find a new therapist and I did. I also found a psychiatrist, and I also have a gender care provider, and I also have a primary care provider. So I have a team approach to make sure that my mind stays at least within a small corral. Yeah, and that your your all of your needs are met. You have the different people you can turn to for those things. That was a an issue. That was a place where I sort of fell down in my therapy. I stayed with a therapist for a long time and, and kept running into this thing, sort of like you were saying there in your therapy or with, with Pat Chat, where you have this kind of recurring set of woes and could never seem to make any progress on actually affecting them. And I yeah. think it was because at the time I didn't have a therapist that was specifically LGBT and, and specifically transgender focused right. to help me through that, which was the core issue you know, to first to identify that, because it was sort of there, I was in the cross-dressing realm like you, mm -hmm. where you started. And I think if I'd had that key to what underlied everything was my struggle with my own identity, then I think I could have made the progress in fixing the other things. Right. So yeah. I guess that's a, that is a PSA for go out and, and keep looking. If you're seeing a therapist and it's not helping you, you're not making a lot of progress, then just, just keep looking because it's really important to find that right team, those right people to support you. Absolutely. And, and here's the thing. I, being a transgender woman, I recognize that I'm in a marginalized society group, but I am also very white and I have a lot of privilege and I was in a very successful career. And even though I spent a little bit of time worried about what was going to happen with me financially, I have had health insurance that has provided for my mental health for a long time. There are some people who do not have that and they struggle with what's happening around them and trying to find that help. I am so thankful that the president has opened up the health care window again. Mm -hmm. If you do not have insurance, please try again right now to see if you can get some because we need, we, all of us, transgender, non-binary, gender fluid, intersex, we need to have someone there 
who can help us identify these things. We this is not something we can play around with anymore. Yeah. The the numbers that I have seen, I don't think they've changed much. 40% of people who identify within the transgender umbrella attempt suicide. Yes. That's not that's not a number to play around with, y'all. We need adequate mental health. And it's not out there yet, but we need to keep trying and keep doing the best we can mm -hmm. and pushing our legislators, our senators, our governors, our everyone we can. We need to keep pushing because we almost lost health care. Yeah. And there are still some states that are trying to make that a possibility. Yeah. So we need to we need to own our voice. We need to have that health care. We need to have somebody we can talk to, and we need to fight for it. Mm -hmm. So you now that you have that support and you have that network, both familially and with the actual healthcare providers. What does transition look like for you? What does transition look like for me? Um, it really looks like this. <laughs> this transition. Mm -hmm. um, being happy with myself. Trying to find, trying to find the balance of You know, I really don't even know anymore. Hmm. I had an idea once, but I don't. Um, I started at Hormones in April of last year, so I want to be one year on HRT. And I love what it's doing for me. Therapy has done wonders for me because... I now have access to emotions that I never had before. Okay. Uh, and that's that's a totally different set of things because it all goes back to a childhood trauma of losing some people who were very close to me in a short amount of time, relatively. And I got to the feeling of, I can't love myself because no one else can love me because I'm not good enough. Because if I was good enough, people wouldn't leave. Yeah. And when people leave, I still have issues. Um, mm -hmm. If someone, if someone kind of gives me the cold shoulder or ignores me, there's a lot of stuff that, that wells up inside. Now, all of that's to say it got in the way of loving myself. I never felt like I was good enough. I never felt like I was worthy to love myself because I couldn't do enough. Therapy, family, found family, they all helped me recognize that I am worthy to be loved, that I'm worthy to love myself. Mm -hmm. And every day is, is my transition. And, you know, whenever I look in the mirror and I see this face looking back at me, it's one of the happiest days of my life because I, I know that the person that I see in the mirror is someone that I love and that that okay. person loves me. Sounds a little nuts, but that's okay. No, that's the most important thing, finding that love for yourself and, and finally being able to see yourself in the mirror and being able yeah. to own that identity that you see looking back at you. So important. Yes. You sort of alluded to this. Have your transition goals shifted as you've moved through? Uh, yeah, they really have because one of my transition goals was to pursue transition as far as I could, but I ran into a situation where I couldn't really pursue that because Lisa and I reconciled 
And when she came back into my life as my partner, we set some compromise. And so we can't talk about surgery of any kind uh, in transition context for about four and a half more years because (laughs) we set a a five-year moratorium on discussion of it to allow me to go as far as I can in five years of hormone, but also to give her the space that she needs to grow to accept who I am physically because my body is changing as, you know, as I continue on the hormones, things happen to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm really okay with that. Yeah. Um, there's, yeah. I mean, yeah. Good heavens. There is a bald head under here. Um, nothing is changing that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I put these wigs on, and that's enough. Um, like many of us, I like my boobs. Hmm. And, um, yeah, I admit I wear, I wear false breasts to help me feel comfortable about myself. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is okay. Excuse me a second. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm still rocking my, my falsies. Um, you know, I, this is what transition looks like, you know? Um, and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Do you really feel... the biggest? Part... Oh, oh, go yeah, go ahead. No, I, I was just gonna say the biggest part is because of my involvement with the transverse, I am pushing to legally change my name. As I said, Genevieve Valentine Todd Bergman is what I'm going to push for to change my name because I don't want the confusion of starting something with the transverse with a male name, completely male name, and then having to go through and change everything as we go along. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's the only thing that I'm pushing for right now. And so some of those goals have changed. Do you feel that having those constraints and having that, um, I don't want to say box, but having, knowing where the boundaries are, both for this the transition for this period and definitely within your relationship how has that helped the the, the two of you work through this <laughs> um it makes the conflicts much more easier to see um you know when we are whenever i am transgressing a boundary and i will admit that has been my thing since Lisa came back, she has not transgressed nearly as much as I have. And and I like using the term boundaries because I have a philosophy about boundaries. It's not about what you can't do on the outside of the boundaries. Boundaries are about how much you have on the inside. Yeah. And I have a lot on the inside of my relationship with Lisa. So when I push the boundaries or when I step across it, I know that I have done something to damage all of the good that I have. Mm-hmm. And so the conflicts are much easier to manage now. It's the communication that gets a little tougher sometimes because we still have some miscommunication on perceptions and intentions. Okay. And I think that's that's relationship stuff. That's not transgender stuff. That's just two people trying to live in a very close relationship with each other. And sometimes messing up and we got to work on it. Yeah. What do you do in your life these days to find validation? What brings you the biggest validation and and how do you, how do you make that manifest? Makeup. Oh my God. I love makeup. Mm -hmm. Um, Lisa will tell you that my first attempts at makeup were atrocious and (laughs) yeah, I agree so much. Join the club, hon. Yeah. You look fabulous. Um, I do now, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I have to, you know, I have to give so much credit to Melissa Murdoch at the 
the pretty fix because I never felt confident and comfortable in what I was doing. I had a routine that kind of made me feel like I was doing things okay. But listening to Melissa teach, especially her Makeup Made Easy program um, and some of the stuff that she's done out of that, if you don't know Melissa Murdick, the pretty fix, it's the underscore pretty underscore fix. She is a professional makeup artist. One of her biggest clients is Selena Gomez. And she has taken part of her business and made it trans femme specific. And she is trying to help. People like me, who are definitely transgender female, or people who may be gender fluid or non-binary and want that, that feminine look. And she's there to help us make it easy. And, you know, I can't say enough about her because there is just so much that she offers. So, yeah, I'm plugging for, again, mm -hmm. another spot but uh well now no, mira is calling for her to be on the show yay mira that i've been a good idea. absolutely yeah. into this for mm -hmm. a while now um but makeup that's what i do to validate myself mm -hmm. i know one thing i don't do to validate myself and that's play Fortnite with y'all because <laughs> y'all just shame me every time we play but do not, do not pretend to be innocent. <laughs> Me? But you're acting but, like I'm throwing shade at you. Like, I don't think we'll talk about this offline. We'll take this or, or, or after the break, yeah. maybe. <laughs> but no, um, being able to, to do makeup and being able to, to just generate the feeling of euphoria that comes from from seeing myself is something that I've never that I've never been able to do, mm -hmm. and and now I love it. <laughs> and taking selfies, I never took selfies before, and Lisa thinks that I'm vain and horrible <laughs> about taking pictures and admiring myself. And yeah, probably. From the outside, it appears that way, but yeah, that's that's my validating act. Yeah, you're just so excited to see that person again and yeah. to be able to to nail a presentation that you feel represents who you felt like inside. And yeah, it's extremely yeah. validating. And playing with colors and, and doing things to, you know, spice up, you know. If I ever, you know, whenever I have a great brow, I mean, a great um, eyelash day, oh my gosh, I'm going to brag about it for two or three hours. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's it's great. Now, I also have to say that throwing myself into building the transverse is also very validating. Mm -hmm. And you all may want to grab the tissues again because I'm going <laughs> to do this again. You all do not understand what Emily means to me because Emily is responsible for helping me live a life with purpose. Part of the damage that was done in leaving the church as I did was losing my sense of purpose. I had spent 23 years as a pastor. I had worked with people. I had mentored clergy and young adults and older adults in ministry. And I loved it. But when I walked out of that, I didn't have a purpose and I was lost. And because of the trauma and the PTSD and the anxiety and the panic um, symptoms that I suffered, 
I was looking for the disability checks for the rest of my life because I didn't feel like I could ever hold a job again. Mm -hmm. And Emily, Emily finally opened up her idea of what she wanted to do with just taking this show and touching lives. The first time Emily and I talked on the phone, I told her, I said, Emily, you don't know how big your show is because your show can save lives. By hearing stories, by listening to other people talk about how they made it and they make it every day, that will change a life because somebody will realize that they can face the next day. And when Emily invited me to be a part of this journey to build the transverse, I found a purpose again. And more importantly than that, since the day she offered this opportunity, I have not once felt disabled in any way, shape, or form. And I have energy and excitement and passion. I have dreams and visions of what we can do. I have hopes that I did not have over the last seven years. And uh, that validates me. Emily, your faith in me validates me. I'm so glad to hear that. And we did talk through a lot of this yesterday. You did tell me this and you've, you've mentioned it a couple times, but, um, and I was holding it together. I felt very well. I saw a comment from Julie that, that I had switched the camera to just you so I could hide the fact that I was crying and I was holding it together. And then, um, and then some of the things that came in through the chat really got me. Um, I love you all. Thank you so much for the kind things that you that you are saying and for being here, for supporting me. Um, I couldn't do this without you. I wouldn't be able to keep it going without all the support that you've given me. And Jeannie, specifically, you've been uh, a big person in the chat when I had times either on this channel or on my personal Emily Would, Emily Would Go channel where nobody would show up uh, with different things. You were always there. So... It's, it's, it goes back to the community. We're helping each other. And that's the most important thing. And I love to be able to take what I've got and just blow it up. I, 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 I told Jeannie one of my crazy ideas for this down the road is to be one of the largest employers of trans and LGBT people. And I don't know, it's just an idea I, I, I really love. And I, and I love that we're able to start with just the few of us that are taking part in it and, you know, giving us purpose, giving us that drive. And I love that. And I'm going to stop talking about myself and you're going to stop talking about me because that's not what this show is about. We're talking about you. I appreciate you so much. And thank you all in the chat as well for everything kind that you said. And I just want to say that for anyone who, who may know, it's not you. I'm, 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 I'm not talking about you. Okay, it good. doesn't have to be about you, Emily. Good, 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 good. Um, God, everything. Oh, um, the transverse. Uh, to to help you all realize just what it is that we are trying to do. We are not trying to make a living off of Twitch. That's not what we're trying to do. We're creating a nonprofit organization that is going to have contact in the real world and doing things to transform people's lives in the positions and locations where they are. That's what we're looking for, which means that Emily and Charlotte and I, when we use our titles, CEO, COO, Community Director, we that's our job that's the work we have now committed ourselves to and this is how committed we are and probably how committed we should 
be considered for because we may be a little crazy. The three of us are doing full-time work and we don't get paid. We're doing this out of our love for the community and the passion that we have. Now, eventually we want to take this into a full-blown business operation where we can commit 100% of our time to this, well, 100% of our working time mm -hmm. to this, and Emily's going to get pushed to take a break every now and then by me. But we eventually would like to get a paycheck. Um, for for the, we, the sake of being able to keep it going, yeah. For the sake of being able to keep it going. This isn't about us wanting to become rich, not at all. This is about us wanting to be able to devote our lives to this program. This is about us wanting to build something bigger than ourselves that touches lives around the world and that outlasts us. That's what we are hoping for. That's what we are dreaming about. When Emily says she wants to be the largest employer of LGBTQIA, and in particular, transgender, non-binary, gender fluid, and intersex, she says the world, not the country, not the state. She's shooting for the world, y'all. Mm -hmm. And I think we can do She's it. Pinky. I'm the brain. <laughs> yep, and uh, we will we will try to take over the world in our own little way. Yep, taking the uh, the, the the transgender agenda <laughs> to the world in a big way, right? <laughs> yep. Okay, so now we can talk about me. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um. I think you touched on a lot of these these last few things, but let's let's get to the last two. Okay. What is the favorite thing that you, what is your favorite thing that you've learned in your journey? Makeup, most definitely. Okay. Um, emotions. I have learned what emotions are, and I've learned how to distinguish between them. That's what's crazy is that, you know, I was. It wasn't just that that macho male thing of, um, oh, I'm a tough guy and, you know, I'm either just happy or I'm angry. No, it wasn't that. It was, I was like sort of on an even keel with everything. There were no big emotional switches or shifts over time. They were just small shifts. And so I didn't have big emotions. And when I did have big emotions, it was overwhelming and it blew me up. Mm -hmm. But this journey of, of acceptance and loving myself has freed me up to experience emotions and, and, and how to tell them apart. And so whenever I have something big happen, I still have a tendency to kind of have to back off and reprocess things to figure out what's going on. But I love it. I love getting teary-eyed. I love laughing. I love being able to to tell Emily and and Charlotte and 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 the Fortnite crew how much I love them and appreciate them. I love being able to look at my wife and know that what I feel for her that I didn't feel in the past is real. The things that I, you know, want to do for her are expressions of who she is to me and so yeah emotions and and really tied to that is how to love people and appreciate them being in my life hmm. folks like pat the pat chat family that i have they are like i said they are my found family and i there isn't a day that I don't in some way think about them. And I love that your transition is giving you access to this deep emotional level to really feel and appreciate that. Yeah. That's very it's a lot of fun. Mm. A lot of fun. So in closing this section, mm -hmm. what do you feel is the key advice that you have to pass on to young and closeted trans and non-binary people out there? Love yourself 
first. That's that is the biggest advice that I can give you. Because as someone who grew up in the church, 45 years of my life, I had heard, love God, love others. Don't, don't love yourself. That's just pride, and that's just not what God wants. And that's wrong. Because it has created a very bad attitude that we should not love ourselves that we don't deserve to be loved, that we aren't worthy of loved. And when we screw up and whenever we mess up, God doesn't love us anymore. Well, I got to tell you something. That's wrong. And you love yourself first because loving yourself first is how you're going to be able to love others better, more authentically, and love God more completely. I, I, I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. There is absolutely no way to be kind, compassionate, caring, good, faithful, or loving unless you love yourself. You truly love yourself authentically first. Mm-hmm. So make that a priority. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from the Transverse Network. Watch the full video version of the show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash thetransverse. And be sure to catch our slate of other great shows there as well. If you love what we're doing and want to support The Transverse, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash thetransverse.